2: most tuesdays are just tuesdays except at buffalo wild wings where tuesdays are wing tuesdays but now even wing tuesdays aren't just wing tuesdays because wing tuesdays are half price wing tuesdays which means your boring tuesday that became wing tuesday now cost you half as much in case you're confused we have half price wing tuesdays we do it for you buffalo wild wings wings beer sports prices and participation varies see participating locations for details void were prohibited
3: the roadwire nba podcast it is thursday february 2nd Nick whalen and james anderson here with you happy 39th birthday to dan gaza reach need to get that out of the way uh, at the top but as usual we'll talk plenty of college basketball with a focus on prospects looking ahead to the 2017 nba draft and i think we're going to do the unthinkable here and actually talk some nba as well there's a a couple topics on the rundown here that I'm excited to get to Uh, but let's start with uh, someone who in a couple text messages last night you referred to as the God that's G-A-W-D and of course that's Josh Jackson who put up a career high 25 I think he finished with in Kansas win over Baylor last night great game Kansas was down by double digits Um, at one point of the game ended up going on a big run and, and storming back to win what was a close game late 51 straight wins for Kansas now at Fog Allen Fieldhouse, uh, and I did read that Scott Drew has now lost more games at Fog Allen than Bill Self, which is ridiculous.
1: That's such a like terrible stat because it it makes Scott Drew seem like he's bad, but like, no, he's, he's actually he's actually like one of the better coaches. It, it means in that the he's sport. just he's stuck around yeah. long enough to yeah, play there like, enough. Exactly, like most. B- Bill self gets most big 12 coaches ran out of the conference after five years and Scott's response. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, man, you know, what, what can we say about Josh Jackson that I haven't already said? Uh, <laughs> probably not much, you know, <laughs> that was a, that was a game that I had to mute for, for most of it just cause it was a Dick Vitale game. But, uh, I did catch a part where he said, okay, it was taking uh, shots at Dickie V. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not a, not a big Dickie V guy. Okay. Uh but he, you know, he was saying like this guy's climbing up draft boards. He's not climbing up our draft board. He's got nowhere, nowhere, nowhere to, go. to climb when you're at nowhere, the top. Uh nowhere right? to go when you're at the top. Uh, man, he's. It's just so efficient for him. Like the amount of times he touches the ball and like occupies a possession. It's it's just so rare for him to like take up more than three seconds of a of a mm-hmm. possession uh I you mean, can't say that about a lot of top level guys who since sixth grade have
3: been the man and have had you know the right to kind of do whatever they want and if that means you know dribbling 20 times and getting to the rack or putting up a, a pull-up contested shot that's what it is like the discipline i think that he shows coming onto a team that has you know frank mason on it already and and just kind of fitting in pretty seamlessly with, with him and, and deontay graham and and not you know, not trying to dominate the ball, not really looking like he's trying to show out for NBA scouts, like just playing really, really sound, fundamental team basketball, but then also looking like a star while doing it.
1: Right, and he's, you know, prior to his last four games, hasn't been a guy that's been shooting for a, a high clip from beyond the arc, and that's that skill of just, you know, only taking up a small percentage of your team's possession is, is usually one for a catch-and-shoot type of guy, but he's mm-hmm. so... It's so easy for him to score quickly when he gets the ball from really anywhere in the half court that it's uh, it's not the case with him. And he like over the past four games is shooting over fifty percent from behind the arc. So uh, he's a guy that I would have I, I would make a case for over Fultz even if he was still struggling with his shot. Uh, just because it's it's one of those types of things where it's it's way too early for a kid this talented to be written off as a guy that's not going to be able to shoot from behind the arc Mm -hmm. and now that he's kind of coming on a little bit there uh i mean what what do you make of his his three-point shot over over these past couple weeks and what do you make of his uh free throw shooting because that's that's actually kind of becoming sort of the bigger issue here is he's he's not hitting free throws at a clip anywhere near what you'd expect a wing player to be to be shooting
3: right It'd be one thing if he was at like 75% yeah. or 70, and you'd be like, eh, that's not great. But he's at like 55%, <laughs> yeah. and it's he's getting to the line a good amount, which is nice. Um, but, you know, going back to the, the Oklahoma State game a couple weeks ago, gets to the line 17 times, only makes 10 of them. Like, I mean, like you said, for a wing player, the baseline is like 70, 75. You know, LeBron can get away with being in the low 70s because he's LeBron, but there just aren't that many star wing players. Uh, it's, just, it's just part of the package, you know? You would like, have
1: we, to kind of tweak the definition a little bit and include someone like Blake Griffin to, right. to kind of And it's
3: Josh It's not Blake yeah, Griffin like yeah. you're willing to give Blake a pass because he's a big guy and there's this history of big guys not shooting free throws all that well um, I don't know I mean that that's a concern to me because if he was a great free throw shooter who just couldn't shoot from three it was it was like okay is this a mental thing you know does he just need more reps but like the fact that he's not a good three-point shooter although the three-point numbers like you said have been better lately he's he's eight of his last 13 from three 10 of his last 18 going back to the texas game and the three-point shot looks good mechanics wise he looks fine um so that's not the biggest concern but the fact that the three-point percentage isn't great overall the free throw percentage isn't great overall and hasn't shown much signs of improvement like there's a
1: link there yeah i i'm just not sure if there's any realistic reason to expect him to not get much better at the line? Like you kind of have to, right? How how could you not, really? I mean, he's he's so talented. Uh, he works really hard. I just, it's it's got to be. I mean, you'd have to run a bunch of numbers on just guys that have have shot this way and just kind of see which ones end up getting it to a respectable rate. But that in and of itself is not really enough of a reason for me to to knock him on on a draft board just given all the other stuff he does well he Mm -hmm. he boxes out better than any wing i can really remember uh he doesn't protect the rim as much as i'd like when he's when he finds himself sort of in the paint and, and someone's attacking he is sort of passive he's not just looking to to be the guy that's that's going to stop that player from getting to the rim but Mm -hmm. that's maybe something that you can learn but he's he's not passive at all on the wing when he's playing defense and then like you said last night you you're still his passing is still kind of the thing that that really impresses you the most
3: yeah the the willingness to pass the skill with the pass the just the variety of passes that he makes there was one last night where it was kind of a loose ball scramble situation less than five minutes left in the game and Jackson comes up with it doesn't even take a dribble barely looks like he he's looking up court and just kind of throws a perfect pass up to uh, I think it was Graham who who was fouled on a layup attempt and it was just it was one of those plays you just don't see that often from freshmen it's just a you know a pinpoint pass and uh, knowing the situation and you know not panicking when it's kind of a chaotic situation on the court and I think the biggest thing is the dump off passes that he makes. Like he's so good at getting to the rim and he doesn't force up bad shots. Like every now and then he will, like like any freshman does and like any player does really. Uh but, you know, the defense pays so much attention to him that he'll blow by a defender on the wing and instead of going up for, you know, a fifty fifty contested layup, he's so good at dropping it down to a big guy for, you know, what's
1: a ninety percent, you know, type of shot. Yeah. I think the the passing is really the thing that when I first kind of picked up on it, that's when I I put him to to number 1 in our or on my big board just because that's you want guys that can dribble pass and shoot and play excellent defense and guard multiple positions and he can do all of those things it would seem except maybe the shooting part uh to some extent but I mm-hmm. think he'll he'll get there eventually.
3: Yeah, I think the passing is what makes you say okay You know, like if you want to keep making the Wiggins comparison, which I do, and their numbers in terms of averages are very similar. Um, Jackson right now is at 16 points, seven rebounds, three assists. Wiggins finished his Kansas season 17 points, six rebounds, an assist and a half. Um, So the passing numbers, I mean, an assist and a half in college basketball for a wing player is a lot. Like that's that's a a noticeable jump. Um, But what what his ability to pass, like what's that's what separates him and says okay, even though the shooting thing is an issue two, three years down the road, this is a guy you can run your offense through. Like, he's not just going to be a Wiggins type of player, at least what we've seen from him so far, which is, yeah, he can give you 30 points, but he can't necessarily be your number one. You can't say, all right, you're handling the ball when Rubio's off the court or when Levine's off the court. Like, with Jackson, I think he's on the trajectory where he could be more of a Paul George type than
1: a Wiggins type. Absolutely. That's part of the reason why I'm just sort of – I mean it I know it's it's easy especially just offensively to kind of compare those two guys or scoring wise it's easy to compare those two guys uh Wiggins and Jackson I just I think he's done enough in terms of motor and passing and even rebounding I mean he's just proven that there there's more layers to his game than Wiggins right. ever really showed and even shows now like he there's Jackson's just a more well-rounded player than Wiggins is today and Wiggins was probably a more gifted scorer than Jackson in college, but that's kind of the one where you're willing to kind of let the, the freakish athlete develop mm-hmm. uh, a little bit more in that respect. You can't really teach a guy. I think we've seen uh, – I mean, when was the last time a guy learned to become a good passer? <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask. It's like when you're looking at
3: you know a flaw like the shooting for Jackson, would you rather have – this type of prospect where it's okay his shot isn't great or would you rather have a guy who has a questionable motor or is a bad passer or who doesn't rebound or isn't that athletic like to me shooting is obviously a huge part for a wing player you know we're not going to say he's a perfect prospect like it's a big deal he needs to learn how to shoot but i feel like that's more teachable than teaching someone to have a high motor or teaching someone to have elite level vision
1: right i i think it depends like it it depends what type of athlete we're talking about, what type of uh, potential defender we're talking about. But for someone that's as just high end as as Jackson in terms of measurables uh, and the motor and everything like that, I just think there's just so few examples of those guys not becoming competent shooters. Like right. when you're that special, like look at like Tracy McGrady, Kobe Bryant, uh, LeBron James, like mm. those guys. They all become good shooters. They're they're special. They're really special, and I think Jackson's right. Kind of in that mold.
3: Yeah, I, I think it would be one thing if he just like didn't shoot threes at all, and like you know was was playing like only at the rim. Like yeah. he seems comfortable enough. Like I, I you have he to believe that.
1: Like that we've talked about this before. Like when he, when it's, uh, when the sh- it's time for him to shoot, he shoots it. Like he's yeah. not hesitant. Like uh, like even Giannis, right? Like, exactly. At, at times like he he puts it up.
3: Yeah, and I think the confidence is, is a big part. Like not having to instill that uh, you know, in his game, I, I think, will help. Um, let's see, what else do we have? Lonzo Ball, Markel Fultz face off against one another on Saturday night. Late tip-off, of course, be, being a West Coast game um we did see ucla beat up on washington state last night game was a little bit close for you know in the mid parts but ucla really pulled away at the end ball 14 7 7 5 steals tj leaf had 32 14 of 18 from the field 14 boards three assists for him as he continues to look really really good um i mean ucla should win this game really easily against washington but this could also be a game where Fultz Goes off because there's gonna. I mean, it's gonna be fast paced. This is the pace that he wants to play at.
1: I mean, if there's a he's game, he's gonna. Where... Well. D- yeah. I mean, the pace, all the all those types of factors are gonna play into it too. But this is also sp- like every team that is conceivably gonna be picking top three, top four is gonna have all their biggest guns at yep. this game. Like that. That's not. This is the game where yep. these two guys, like Ball and Fultz, especially, are gonna show out and right. try to bring their best, especially like on defense. You might actually see these two guys actually try on defense for once. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, uh, because they're like you know, if if you're Markel Fultz and you go for like thirty-five and ten, and you keep Blonzo under twenty, and like you know just kind of he has a sort of average to mediocre type mm-hmm. of game that's gonna look really good for you yeah so there's there's all the incentive in the world for these guys to try on both ends
3: i do wish this was on espn and was getting the billing you know because it's it's a tough sell if you're not an nba guy or an nba draft guy it's, this game really shouldn't mean all that much to you but like this should be a, a national tv game that people should care more about like there's a lot on the line for both these guys i mean fultz isn't going to fall out of the top three ball's not going to fall out of the top six or seven but this is a chance for Ball to play really well and vault himself into the number one pick conversation, or this is a chance for Fultz to play really well and you know really kind of solidify himself as the guy as we get down the stretch of the regular season.
1: Yeah, like it. It's not going to be the be all end all, but it could go a long way. I mean, if if it if will be the be all end all for the next like two weeks, right? If there's a gap like in how these two guys perform and right, the other guy has a is a big part of why there's a gap, then, then it will end up meaning mm-hmm. so.
3: Yeah. I mean, UCLA, I think ball has less to lose and Fultz, you know, like you said, this isn't going to be the be all end all. So we shouldn't talk like it is, but like ball could go for like 14, 10 and five and UCLA wins by 20 and it's a success for him. Fultz, if they lose, like he has to go for like 30 plus or have 10 assists and 12 rebounds or something like he, he can't have an inefficient shooting night and have Washington lose by 20.
1: Yeah, I think he has to. He has to really remain engaged on both ends. Mm-hmm. I think that that's going to be huge for him because they might lose by twenty, and if it just sort of seems like he's fine with that in the second half, and it, it's just not looking yeah. good, and he, he just kind of coast, I, I don't think that's going to be a good look. But I actually think that I think I could see it being kind of close. To be honest, like I just I think like you said, the pace factor. Like, UCLA's offense is, is excellent, but their defense is Real horrible. And I could see I, – I just think Fultz is going to do whatever he wants in this game.
3: Yeah, that's what the thing is, like, they could lose by 20, but they could still put up, like, 85 points and Fultz could go for 40. Like, that would not be that shocking. The thing is, like, Washington's lost four straight. They just lost – they lost by double digits to Arizona State, which lost by 22 to UCLA and which lost by, like, 40-something to – uh, Kentucky which also lost to UCLA like it's not shaving up well for, for Washington to get a win but at this point in the season that's it's really all about folds especially for for draft evaluators uh, Malik Monk continues to play really really well for Kentucky a couple nights ago huge game against Georgia that one went into OT he finishes with 37 no De'Aaron Fox for Kentucky so what that meant is we got to see Malik Monk running the point and it looked pretty good. I mean, he wasn't transcendent by any means, but he looked really comfortable that he connected with uh, Bam Adebayo like three times uh, down the stretch and into overtime for either dunks or or plays on which Adebayo was followed at the rim. Uh, so it was interesting. I mean, it's not like once Fox is back, he's going to be the point guard. There's not really a debate there. But Malik Monk looked comfortable enough that I think NBA teams might see that and look at his height and say, OK, maybe there's an opportunity for this guy to play the point. Whether that ultimately ends up being the right call, I guess we'll see. Yeah,
1: I, I'm still not really buying it. I, I think, you know, he's averaging less than, less than two and a half assists a game. Like, I know he's not playing point guard, but it's just, it seems pretty clear that he's not. Like, passing is just not something that he's naturally looking to do which right. is fine like I, I just don't I don't like the idea of forcing a guy into a position based on his size well especially when he's so good at skills. another position right.
3: like it's not like it's all right you're either playing point guard of the NBA or you're not going to the NBA it's like no you could be a really effective two in the right situation
1: right and yeah I mean it's tough there's there are some guys that like James Harden is is an amazing passer. Did I don't remember necessarily thinking that he was anywhere near like even an above average passer back in college though, or even like his rookie year. I I don't know. It's 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 hard to remember. Like
3: it's interesting. It just Harden seemed there's like two versions of Harden. Like you you saw Rockets Harden in OKC every now and then, but he was just never ever entrusted with the amount of responsibility.
1: Could that a guy he is. could like Monk be entrusted with? the type of role that like the Celtics entrust Isaiah Thomas with like,
3: maybe, I don't maybe know. I like if, if if you would have asked that question about Isaiah Thomas three years ago,
1: we would have said no. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's, I don't think you need to put these guys in like boxes. I think monk j- is just a volume scorer. I mean, that's just what he is. Right. I, I think it, it doesn't really matter where he's slotted in, uh, who he's guarding on the other team. He's, he's going to be looking to score and he should be looking to score. Right.
3: Yeah, and, and, and it's worth noting, I mean, he did take some really rough shots at the end of this game. It was back and forth, you know, kind of within three points for the last couple minutes. Kentucky had a few chances to, to get a basket, and he forced, like, three possessions in a row for some pretty contested shots, but then, of course, uh, they run him off a screen at the end of regulation to tie it, and he hits an extremely tough pull-up jumper just inside the three-point line to send it to OT, so it's like... It was one of those games where you felt really good about him, and then you felt kind of bad about him for a, you know a good ten minutes, and then he dominated overtime, and and looks like he's really. I mean, he's been a top three player in the country, just in terms of pure like production and performing in the clutch. I mean, he's had like three crazy I, like huge clutch I, games already. I
1: mean, to me, he's the streakiest player in the country, and like he can get sure. hotter than anyone in the country. Like, you can't say that he's. I mean, there's a bunch of players who have had better seasons than Malik Monk. Like, I, don't, I wouldn't even put him in the top five on, like, a player of the year type of thing because you look at Lonzo Ball, who we just talked about, is doing for UCLA. He's not going for 35 or 40. No. But what he's doing in, all, in, like, all facets of the offense, like – De'Aaron Fox was being more impactful for Kentucky before he got hurt, in my opinion, than Monk. And and Fox was shooting like sixteen percent from three point. Like, Monk's just very very one dimensional right now. It's it's scoring, and you know if he's if he's not shooting well that night, then it's it's going to be some inefficient scoring.
3: Yeah, that is true. I mean, he's still he's going to have the highest scoring average of any freshman in the in you know the Calipari era by a good margin. I mean, he's always I think, over twenty two a game. But right I now. think
1: that that's says more to me about this specific Kentucky team and past Kentucky teams. Like if you had given, uh, you know, Demarcus Cousins or John Wall or, uh, you know, even a guy like Anthony Davis, you put them, just take Monk out and put them on this Kentucky team, like. This is a lighter Kentucky team in terms of mm-hmm. just high impact talent than a lot of previous teams.
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you're going to hear the like the Monk Fox comparisons to like Bledsoe and Wall, and I think revisionists. But you that, know, that it, team
1: also had uh, Cousins, Patterson. Cousins, Patterson, like a couple other wings that ended up going in Daniel the NBA. Orton. Yeah, like that 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 team had like seven pros on it, right? And. Well this
3: team might, but I think people also like
1: overestimated guys like Gabriel and like Kalea Jones and Bam. This like, is those guys are not like the yeah. To me that anyone that compares this team it's just you're missing on those those secondary I think guys. Monk and Fox are close to like Bledsoe Wall yeah. caliber. Wall's yes.
3: better than any of those guys, but like Monk and Fox are on the same level as like a Bledsoe or even like Cousins. Cousins right. like Cousins was great at Kentucky, but I don't know if people knew quite how like, good he was as like an all-around player this is
1: comparable to me to like ulis and murray too uh like last yeah, year just yeah, in terms probably of closer like, to that like the usage but like yeah, i mean you're just he's get he's taking a ton of shots like that that's the other thing too like it, i'd like to compare his attempts per game and his three-point attempts per game yeah. to, to some of the other there just haven't been
3: that many guys who've had like an extreme green light like he right. has and like the, this team's not that deep i think calipari found out very early right. that they're not a deep team at all and like they're playing willis probably a little bit more than they want I mean, he's a nice player but like i don't think that was the idea to have him playing over Kalea jones and over gabriel and like bam was like the new cousins like he, cousins was like four times better than than out as that's, a freshman that seems light yeah <laughs> um okay well that's enough kentucky talk do you want to touch on smith quick I don't know if we have any we did talk um, about him
1: last week after the big game against Duke. He's he's just he can uh he just reminds me of he he it seems like he's watching a ton of Russell Westbrook tape and like like he just chases uh triple doubles it seems like which is fine. Yeah. Like I love it. Like but it's not uh I don't know. He he seems to only he kinda he kinda picks his spots when he wants to hustle uh kind of in the same way Westbrook does where and he kind of soars in like this has been sort of my why why I think like Harden is by far a better MVP candidate than Russell Westbrook is because if you want to give Russell Westbrook credit for all those rebounds like because if you just want to focus on scoring and assists it's Harden by a landslide yes but if you want to give Westbrook credit for all those rebounds watch all those rebounds and see how many times he gets a rebound when it could have just gone to steven adams kind of like backs away like oh sorry bro like Like, oh oh, my bad sorry i I was gonna grab grab that that rebound that was coming right to me yeah exactly like that that should be um, is that an advanced stat like true rebounding there is
3: yeah i think it's either i think nba.com or synergy does like uncontested rebounds or, yeah. you know, like closest player to the rebound, stuff like that. That would be interesting to look up. I'll, I'll do that after the pod.
1: Because he's just, like, a lot of Russell Westbrook's rebounds are just clearly he doesn't need to be the guy getting the no. rebound. There.
3: Almost very rarely. And, Although, like, the offensive rebounds, like, people say, like, oh, he just chases old boards. like, yeah, he kind of does. But, like, it's hard to argue that that's, that's like, an effort thing. Chasing that's,
1: offensive rebounds yeah, that's is good for never the team. a bad thing. No, play.
3: well, like, I mean, it can be if you're chasing. Like, if you're the guy on top and you're sure. – you're rationally chasing one you know you can't get and it ends up in a fast break. But like I think for the most part, it's hard to scold Russell Westbrook for trying to get the ball back for his team. You know, like, yeah. that I don't love.
1: Yeah. Uh all right. Um yeah, I mean I love Dennis Smith. Dennis Smith I, I think he's gonna be a wild card on draft night. I think there's gonna be some teams that have him a lot higher on boards than than maybe we do, like maybe two on their board. There might even be a team or two that considers putting him one on their board. Uh, I was going
3: to ask, do you think people have him ahead of Fultz?
1: I, I don't know. I think if you watch the right Dennis Smith game, like I could see a scout making a case for that. If we
3: play our cards right, Fultz and Smith will play in the NIT title game. <laughs> that would don't be the think, ultimate play-in. Like, you don't play think NC
1: State's the... getting in?
3: I don't even know. I should, I ch- N- I should check their NC record. NC
1: State's actually, I want to say they're – in line they're 14 and 9
3: they're oh, currently 13th in the ACC they must have,
1: they've, they've just been getting their asses kicked at ACC well play, the ACC
3: is also unbelievably deep and probably the deepest conference since what the big east like seven eight years ago when mm-hmm. Pitt and all those teams were good I mean like Duke is 17 and five like Duke is in seventh place right. in the conference so being in 13th place isn't all that bad yeah are you still craving NFL daily fantasy sports action and a faster way to play DFS? Check out our new startup site, fantasymashups.com, offering heads-up one-on-one fantasy sports matchups for the Super Bowl and the NBA as well. No need to go up against the pros, automated scripts, or programs here. Fantasy Matchup's unique way of playing one-on-one levels the playing field for all users, beginners to experts, and makes it easy and fast. Don't believe us? Check out our site for yourself, and if you're lucky enough to be one of the first 2,000 users to sign up, Fantasy Mashups will give you $25 in your account instantly. No drip bonus, no deposit necessary, no nothing. Just sign up, and this one is on us. All we ask is that you follow and like fantasymashups.com on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and most importantly, give us some feedback. Please give us any kind of feedback you have as we want to build this for you guys, the users, and make it the best experience possible for you. Go to fantasymashups.com to sign up today there's a huge blockbuster trade we should have led with this that went on just as just as you and i went to lunch today roy hibbert spencer hawes heading to the milwaukee bucks for miles plumley on paper this looks like a terrible deal for both teams um not exactly sure what the hornets specifically are trying to do here they're you know they've fallen out of the, the top eight in the playoffs right now so i don't know if this is just like a knee jerk we need to do something type of move uh they did have too many centers but the bucks also had and have now too many centers so you know the bucks say they're keeping hibbert and hawes they already have monroe they already have henson if you're charlotte why are you taking on miles plumley who is owed 12 and dollars each of the next three seasons beyond this current one
1: i like Blacked out while you were saying all that. Okay. What what happened? What's going on?
3: Miles Plumley is making a lot of money. Okay. We'll put it that way. Um twelve and a half million dollars per season yes. to be exact. And so the Bucks
1: the, dumped Miles Plumley's. The Bucks salary.
3: dumped Miles Plumlee's salary, which they signed him to. They not long ago signed him to. And so now he's Charlotte's no options. Like Charlotte has three and a half years of Miles Plumley right now on its books. Hawes has a six million dollar player option for next season, which he probably declines. And Hibbert is on a one-year deal, so he's expiring. So like for the Bucks, like now your center spot gets even more cluttered, but you also save a lot of money.
1: I'm just happy that Ersan was not involved in this deal because then we'd have to talk about it for like an extra two or three minutes.
3: Because of me? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well,
3: of course, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's that. You're lucky J.O.B. wasn't involved. That would have been an extra like four to five hours. I don't know. I, I think we don't want to talk too much about it because this really doesn't move the needle all that much for either team. It just seems a very odd deal to me for Charlotte.
1: Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's it doesn't make any sense, I guess, there. Maybe they just wanted Roy Hibbert off the roster.
3: I think they wanted – I bet they wanted Hawes off the roster. I don't know. Like, I don't know what this means in the grand scheme of things, but like, he's kind of been under fire for like pro-Trump stuff and like i don't know how that's resonated in the locker room and i do kind of wonder if that plays a role all right i mean plumley
1: plumley is probably a good locker room guy right sure no. i haven't heard that he's not a good locker room guy he kind of always sort of seems a little salty like he he yeah. alwa- he kind of always seems like he's uh he'd rather be out there which which is like for a for a plumley i think you should Especially when you're not the best plumley, like you should be just happy to be on the bench. Yeah. Like you yeah. shouldn't be like, Oh man, I kinda wish I was in the game right now. You should just be like, Man, this is great. I'm I'm on an NBA right. team, happy to be alive.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean you gotta be taking keys from Marshall Plumley. Like that's a guy who's just happy to be in the NBA. I think if you I do subscribe to that. I think there is a little bit of of that going on. And the reason I think is when you go from starting 79 games your second year in the nba to like back to a bench player all of a sudden there i mean even though he was starting for a bad phoenix team like i think it's probably hard to transition back to that yeah uh you know two former players like ourselves can, right. can relate <laughs>
1: right well current players
3: <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> we're three and oh in the <laughs> madison Recley. not a big deal um okay let's talk carmelo real quickly um we'll skip warriors talk we've talked so much about the warriors um yeah you hate that I do, because they're playing so well. Um, we are both of the belief that the Knicks, and everyone should be of this belief, that the Knicks would be really dumb to trade Carmelo to a team like Cleveland or the Clippers or the Celtics, especially those first two, and not get back Jordan or Griffin or Paul or LeBron or Kyrie or Love. It's hard to even come up with a deal that works money-wise, but like there still seems to be this belief that the Clippers are you know still kicking it around. Could you do Redick and Rivers and Crawford? i don't know um i think we you know we we talked briefly before the pod like the knicks even though mellow has the no trade clause the knicks are still in control here like you don't have to get rid of mellow he's still a productive player he's not you know a top five player or even probably a top 15 player in the league right now uh but it's not like he's killing you and and you know weighing down your franchise by any means you can kind of just wait it out until his list of teams that he's willing to go to
1: expands which seems like it's inevitable right you Anyone that thinks that it's it's looking likely now that like Melo's going to get traded this year, you you're either delusional or you think the Knicks are okay with just getting completely fleeced here just to get Melo, which Phil might be, off the I mean. roster, and <clears throat> I'm not saying that's impossible. It's just it if you're if this was being handled by a good general manager, uh. You're not. He's not getting traded until he expands the list of teams he's willing to get traded to. And right, he shouldn't get traded at least. Right, like you, you, there's no package the Clippers can come up with that makes sense uh, for for the Knicks that Mello would approve. Like, sure, you could come up with a package that would make the Clippers worse that the Knicks would, that would they would take, but uh, you also can't underrate how much location matters to mellow and his family like right. honestly that LA and New York are the only two destinations that I'm even like over 50% confident that he would approve like I don't right. I don't even think that they would want to go to Boston no and I don't even know if Boston would want mellow necessarily depending on what it would take to get him so you know if you rule out if you if you're just looking just at uh the clippers basically that that does that's not going to work unless you are willing to take back a rivers headline deal and i just
3: yeah i mean it gets to the point of like at what point does it become worth it for new york to just get mellow's money off the books i don't know that they're at that point
1: right now you have to get like i mean people have said this but to me you just you it has to be a deal where you're getting at least some kind of draft pick back yeah along with whatever crappy young piece i don't hate
3: doing. getting austin rivers like i think sure. he's he's like got, gotten dogs so much early in his career that it's like tough to come back from his reputation like he'd be one he just of can't them, be the centerpiece right. of the deal. he'd
1: be one of the knicks five best players sure but that's Probably not, three best yeah yeah like that's not enough uh for a guy like mellow it's carmelo
3: with freaking anthony like and, i know he's not vintage Mello, but it's still carmelo
1: yeah i mean it's they just i don't i don't think that there's any reason to and and the whole like well and if you trade him then you're going to like help your lottery odds. Like I'm not sure that that that's I don't think a, that's correlation true either. I there think, at all.
3: Like Well it depends what you bring back. Like yeah. if you bring back Reddick and Rivers, I don't know that it – like those guys can help you win a few games. Like not you're not going to go you're not going to win a title with those guys. You're not going to win a playoff series yeah. with those guys, but like I feel like a combination of players you're bringing like back if they're sulking, veterans.
1: A sulking Carmelo Anthony, I think, is a perfect ticket to, to increase your lottery. Ad.
3: Yes, <laughs> I mean it's worked the last like several years. Like, yeah. was Carmelo on the team when they got the Porzingis pick? Yeah. He sure was. Yeah,
1: Carmelo is probably going to get hurt in right. like, a, a couple weeks, and then you that'll help you too. I,
3: was it the Porzingis year? I think it was when he he was like his shoulder and his knee were killing him all year. Yeah. He's just like I got to shut it down, I yeah. got to shut it down. Shut it down. But first I'm going to play in the All-Star game yeah. and I'm going to play like yeah. 30 minutes yeah, yeah, and yeah. then I'm going to shut it down yeah. and have, like classic mellow. Um all right, two more things. Cavaliers point guard tryouts. I think this went down yesterday. There really hasn't been any news yet. Which of these four do you want? Chalmers, Stevenson, Heinrich, or Jordan Farmar. Those are the four that have been like confirmed uh, invited.
1: Stevenson, I mean stevenson like going away like
3: if you were the calves or just from like a entertainment
1: both i think yeah i, I think th- that's fair i think but i don't
3: think you, heinrich is the one you definitely don't want right farmer's
1: one i definitely don't want
3: farmer yeah i guess i mean i don't want heinrich or farmer chalmers at least you have the rapport with lebron like i think chalmers would be the pick if he wasn't coming off of torn achilles
1: uh i just think like lebron has salvaged less talented more uh mercurial players than lance stevenson along along his way yeah you know i mean chris anderson <laughs> this is nothing yeah like <laughs> I, I think the idea of lance lance stevenson too is like he's one of those guys that he needs to respect the person that's like telling him right like this is what you're allowed to do this is what you're not allowed mm-hmm. to do and all these guys like Respect the hell out of LeBron. Yeah,
3: and I think to some degree, LeBron respects Lance as a basketball player, not as a person or a ear blower or anything (laughs) like that. But like I think, I mean, those Pacers teams pushed LeBron year after year. Lance was a huge reason for that.
1: And I think he's gotta love. You gotta love the idea that Lance can. Give you, like, 10 to 15 minutes on some of the tougher wings that LeBron typically has to guard. Exactly.
3: Lance is the biggest guy. He's the best defender of those guys. And he's the only one of those four that you at least could say, like, he has upside. Like, I don't know if untapped upside is the right word, but, like, the best case scenario for Chalmers is it becomes just, like, a slightly below average backup. Like, with Lance, there's still that little sliver of intrigue of, like, man, if they could get him to play like he did in 2012... And I don't think you can say that about the other ones. LeBron wants Darren Williams. I think that would be a fine fit if you know what reasonable expectations are for Darren Williams. Do you think Darren Williams is ready to be no.
1: a 18-minute-a-game guy?
3: Not yet. I think he's like a year <laughs> or two away. Uh, no. But maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Weirder things have happened. Uh, all right. Last thing I want to bring up. You've heard about this three-on-three league, right? Yes. Yes. Um I remember hearing about this like five six months ago. I don't have like the rosters in front. Of well, me. luckily I do, and clearly you do not have our little planning document up because I included it on oh. there. Um, I've but never, I'll, I've never I'll shoot those that up, for the record. I've noticed that because it's a Google <laughs> Doc and I can see when you're in there. Um, but anyway, I remember reading about this, you know, five six months ago, and thinking I mean, it's like every every now and then something will pop up like this, whether it's basketball, football, baseball. It's like you know these alternative leagues, and it's you're just like, yeah, right, this is never gonna work. I don't think this is this is obviously not meant to be a challenge to the NBA, and it won't be by any means. But there's actually like a legit roster of guys that are that are signed on here. I think the business model that they're employing is pretty solid. They have like actual backing from you know reputable names like Ice Cube and Roger Mason. Uh, but players who are confirmed already playing in this league: Iverson, Billups, Kmart, Stephen Jackson, Jermaine O'Neal, Rashard Lewis, Jason Williams, the Jason Williams. Mike Bibby, Bonzi Wells, Al Harrington, and Ricky Davis, and there are more to come. So, uh, why is
1: Roger Mason is is Roger Mason Mason? Oh, he's the commissioner. Yeah. Okay.
3: I think he was al- he was always a big players' union guy, so he's okay. kind of like the business okay. side of okay. of this whole thing.
1: I, for for a second there, I was like, wait, he's playing? Like, who no. Cares? Well, maybe okay. he is. I don't
3: know. No. This could be a Jackie uh, Boone situation.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, this is great. You know, you got. Uh, I mean, Jason Williams, just is it is it Jason Williams and AI that are that are the top two draws in terms of for watching? me? It's Jason Williams and AI for sure. AI is the
3: undisputed number one draw. I think it's going to depend. Jason Williams is my number one. I've, I've well, watched, I think AI like among basketball. Right, fans. right, right.
1: But like for me, like specifically, like I've watched more minutes of Jason Williams highlight video than. Yeah you know anyone short of like penny hardaway and like larry bird probably. yeah
3: i would sacramento kings every wednesday tweets out their hashtag j will wednesday nice. videos and like they're pretty much all the same there's only like a finite number of crazy j will highlights and i watch it right. probably three times every <laughs> single wednesday I'm like oh nice it's nice this is back even though it's the same <laughs> one i just watched um yeah i mean it's gonna be great like, there's, there's a quote in this article on Hoops Hype um from last week about so richard lewis and jason williams are on a team together and richard's like yeah i played with jason williams in orlando everybody knows jason is an exciting guy to watch especially for something like this three on three basketball is perfect for his
1: style he's a street ball player
3: so all facts
1: yes all facts now a lot of these names seem to fit pretty seamlessly together oh Uh, yeah like you could picture like half these of like the one Blazers are just in these this. guys hanging out and and having a pretty good time. Who are the one or two guys where you're just like, oh, so he's gonna hang out with those guys? Like to me, it's like um, Chauncey Billups and Rashard Lewis.
3: Yeah, Chauncey I think seems a little above this in some yeah, ways. Yeah. Rashard too. Like the rest of these names were you could yeah, all be yeah. like, oh hell yeah! Like, like
1: like they probably are like hanging out as we speak. Like not, right, exactly. Like bad. I <laughs> think
3: there might be like a separate like <laughs> tour bus for the for like. Kmart, Stack Jack, uh, White Chocolate, Bonzi. those guys, Bonzi, yeah, like Ruben Patterson shows up, like they can't be playing this at any yeah. schools for for legal reasons Brian, with Ruben. Did
1: Brian Grant get an invite?
3: I think he has a like a oh yeah right. some sort of condition that he can't play, she, but otherwise yeah. I feel like Sheed's involved. I okay. think he is. Um, but anyway, so the season's going to begin in in late June, and the way they're going to do it is they're going to play on Saturdays they're going to play like I think there's eight teams in this league so there's going to be four games each Saturday and they're going to go to a new city every week so that's what I like is like obviously you're going to major cities you're not going to take this to places where people aren't going to come out like if you played it all in one city over and over I think you know you're not going to get the same people to come every week but if you go to Houston to New Orleans then to Miami then up to Atlanta like I think that that could work right I mean it's somewhere between the Globetrotters and the NBA like As long as you're not seriously trying to make this into like a big money, like NBA or three on three league thing, like you just kind of make it this little novelty show, but that also has relevant names and decent quality basketball, I think it could work.
1: Like, I would rather watch a game of this than the Super Bowl. Then, well, yeah, obviously, Uh, but then like any college basketball game that doesn't involve a potential lottery pick.
3: You would rather watch it's, this than than Notre Dame Villanova? What?
1: Yeah, no, I no mean, I'm with you. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, hate Eddie, to I mean, say that to our good friend Andrew Laird? But yes, I would. Yeah. I would rather watch
3: this. Well, that's the thing. It's like these guys too are like right in our wheelhouse. Like I think people in the the like 25 to well we'll knock nah, it down to twenty five. 25 to 30. the 23 to, to like 40 range. Like sure, these are yeah. these are the guys that you remember fondly. It's like is
1: uh, Baron Davis going to play?
3: Baron Davis, I feel like has to be involved, right? Yeah, he has to be. I th- I'm pretty sure he actually is. Not joking. Um, so I think he, I think he's involved. The way they're going to do it is there's going to be an, like an actual draft. Is T Mac involved? I don't think so. Not that I've heard. Hopefully, uh, especially if I they Sure, come... hope he doesn't think he's a. What if they're making any stops in Madison? That would be nice. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. I mean, if you're you know a hoops fan you've probably heard of this already but I, I thought it was interesting and i think it actually has potential to to be something that could you know maybe sneak on the espn2 a couple times and see how that works out uh anything else you want to touch on i know you gotta you gotta talk some hardball all right well we will do just that again looking forward to washington ucla on saturday we'll be back next week to, to break that down and whatever else is going on around the NBA.